I, I tried the Doritos Loco... Locos Taco? Loco Taco? Doritos Locos? Something like that. Yeah. But it was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I have to That's get everything good. at Taco Bell with beans since I don't eat meat, though. Same. So... I actually think it makes things taste a little better. I do miss the seasoning of the meat there. I kind of think that was the only good part about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's very true. I don't even know if it really was meat. Maybe that's why my stomach turned against me. <laughs> <laughs> All the Taco Bell, quote unquote, meat. Yes. <laughs> I know. And like, you get more beans than you ever did meat, which is cool. Yeah, so, like, there's a little bit of a loophole. Hello and welcome to the EduPunks podcast. I'm your host, Craig Biedemann. I am really excited for today's conversation because I'm talking with Cassie Wilson, who is the owner of both Half Access and Six Snaps. She is a musical entrepreneur who reviews a lot of music, looks uh, out for new and upcoming bands, goes to gigs, as well as being an activist uh, for venue accessibility. She is wheelchair bound. And so her story is much, much, much more interesting than a typical concert goer like me who doesn't have to think about my privileges of being able bodied. We talk about that a whole lot in this conversation. And I'm really excited to let you hear uh, a bit about Cassie's story. She just won a really kick ass award and a kick ass grant. And we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, but first, if you like what you're hearing, give us some likes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EduPunksPod, E-D-U-P-U-N-X-Pod uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Might make a Facebook. I don't know. We'll see. It seems like everyone's doing that, but I don't know. We're doing okay, I guess. Uh, rate and share and review and tell your friends about this. Uh, if you're listening on Android, it's on Pocket Cast. Uh, if you're on iTunes, uh, throw us some reviews on the iTunes uh, store. That'd be really sweet. Today's musical sponsor is Spartan Records. So you're hearing some Young Fox at the very beginning, and we'll hear a song from American Opera later in the conversation. So now I want to get to my conversation with Cassie Wilson, uh, my friend who is out in Oregon, where I am from, and I miss home, and we talk a little bit about that as well. So let's get into it. All right, so I'm sitting here virtually with Cassie Wilson. How are you doing, Cassie? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, getting closer to my bedtime uh, than I'd like, but, you know, I try to fill as much as I can into, into all of my days. And having a chat with you is a wonderful way to end my day. <laughs> Yay. So cheery at almost 11 o'clock. <laughs> but it's still er somewhat early for you because you're in my home state right now. Yes, it's only 7 o'clock here. <laughs> yeah, good for you. 
so yeah, you're over in Oregon. I miss Oregon. That's home for me. What, what, what part of Oregon are you in? I am specifically in Boring, Oregon, yeah. which is <laughs> east of Portland by, you know, a ways. <laughs> it's not that far because you're pretty close to like Sandy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not terribly far. You're you're still like near the burbs. Yeah, I'm like just on the edge of the suburbs, but like still close <coughs> enough to the city and still far enough out into nature. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And boring is actually one of those places that's like you have to visit this before you die. Uh I think it's just because of the name. Probably. I mean, there's really I mean, it lives up to the name. <laughs> oh, see, and in all my years, I have actually never been to Boring. So I've driven I mean, like, through I've, it, but. I like to say that it hasn't been boring since I moved here, but. Oh, so you hyped it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I know a little bit about you. Folks listening might not know anything about you, so you can, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and what got you here? Yeah, so um, I guess the best way to sum it up is um, I'm a disabled music fan and the founder of a couple things, um, Six Snaps and Half Access, and I recently became the recipient of an APMA. Yeah! So. Which yeah. We're gonna get we're going to get to all that in a minute. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, sweet. Uh, cool. And you are currently in community college, correct? Yes, I am a student that is studying business and things. Because <laughs> you're looking to take over the scenes, right? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. That's right. Uh, so, how long have you been going to gigs? Um. Well, my first concert was in 2011, but then I really what started, was it, Cassie? Like, what was your first concert? It was definitely Taylor Swift on Skip <laughs> Now Tour. I love that it was Taylor Swift. <laughs> Me too. Uh, my first concert uh, was in a church basement, and it was uh, Reliant K and Anne Berlin. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so that was really neat. That was before either band had really figured out what the hell they were doing, though. Uh, my partner's first concert was Spice Girls, so they win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know. I don't know how I ended up, you know, Taylor Swift to um, alternative music, but, you know, things happen. <laughs> yeah. So what would you consider, like, your first, like, scene gig? <laughs> Uh, probably All Time Low. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, like, I went for All Time Low and had no idea who, you know, like, A Day to Remember and everyone else on the House Party Tour were at the time. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I know Dan Campbell from The Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Soupy just hangs out, right? <laughs> yeah, just casual. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. So what, what bands actually like got you into scene, the scene? Was it, was All Time Low like one of those gateways for you? You know, I, I always kind of look back and I'm like, no, that had to be it. But like, honestly, it ended up being local music. Um, um, so there was this band called Grizzly. They broke up last year, but, um, 
they were the first, like, they were, the like, the pinnacle of me discovering local music, and um, All Time Low is kind of related to this, because um, it was, like, an acoustic Christmas show, like, local show, and um, John from Grizzly covered an All Time Low song, and I was sitting there as a 15-year-old in my All Time Low shirt, and I was like, this is everything. Why doesn't everyone know this local band? And after that, it was... Um, a lot of going to um, uh, local shows. And so then with that, they were always opening for small touring bands. So that's how I discovered, like, Head North. And back when From Indian Lakes was a lot smaller. Um, like, I saw them at, like, a sold-out show at a bar that just happened to support all ages music. So it was, like, really cool to have those be some of my first shows. But you know, I was going to see local bands and then just happened to discover touring bands that way. Yeah. I remember one of the early times. Yeah. The first time I saw from Indian Lakes, they had just put out uh, Able Bodies, but I was huge on uh, The Man with Wooden Legs. And it was uh, the it was the farewell, the first farewell tour for Lydia. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was in 09? Oh, wow. Something like that? 08, 08 09? When, when did that album come out? I can't remember. From Indian Lakes, Able Bodies. Yeah, I'm doing a quick search. I don't care, whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was 2012. So, yeah, I guess that was more like 2012-ish. Um, so, I guess it wasn't that far away. But From Indian Lakes was still so unknown but like I showed up to the gig and I had painted Joey something. I painted him like a lyric painting based on one of the songs from the man with wooden legs. And he like got super stoked. He was like, Oh, like we're just, we're like some nothing band and you brought me this. And now they're like getting huge. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, it was the tour with um, the American scene when I okay. saw them. Yeah. And then the American scene, like, dropped off the face of the earth, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, to add another layer to that, where I ran into him, into Joey, was yeah. at the Fred Meyer across the street from Hawthorne Theater. <laughs> wow. Like, I bumped into That's him. That's, like... I, <laughs> that's like the Fred Meyer <laughs> yeah I bumped into him leaving the bathroom and I was like oh shoot you're you're Joey he's like yeah like oh hey I really like your band and I have something for you and he's like wait what <laughs> I'm like yeah oh, just in my car <laughs> and he was oh. like what and I'm like no no don't don't worry it's not creepy <laughs> <laughs> I had to like oh, make him such a good story. Not feel uncomfortable by me. Do you have any <laughs> of those weird stories that where you bump into musicians randomly? I don't think I do. You know, surprisingly, like after like 170 shows, it's like, yeah, I. But who's counting? I don't. Yeah, who's counting? <laughs> Not me. I don't. I don't even have a Google Doc with all of them written down or anything. <laughs> have you gone to that like uh, concert website? The like all concerts or whatever never even heard of it yeah there's a concert like anthology website where you can put in every concert you've ever been to oh wow i should just do that instead that would be so much better 
I'm gonna like hype that in this episode too. <laughs> hype the all concerts episode or uh, website. <laughs> uh, cool. So now you mentioned you're a disabled music goer, which is the reason I wanted to bring you onto this podcast so we could talk a little bit about uh, venue accessibility. Um, before we get into even more of that, what was the most difficult part about going to gigs? Uh, early on or even still currently and did you ever like did you have to like skip gigs because you didn't have access to going so like when I first started going to shows it was kind of weird because for some reason I was oblivious to the fact that I should even be trying to find somewhere safe to be because it wasn't obvious and venues didn't have signs up for like ADA areas or like you know, they didn't even come up to me and be like, hey, do you need, like, somewhere to watch the show? And so for a while it was just a lot of, like, toughing it out in the front row and being, like, unsafe and uncomfortable. But um, I don't think I've ever actually skipped a show because I couldn't access it. It's more of being discouraged from going to shows where I'd just like to check out the bands that I haven't listened to that much, but, like, I've heard about a lot. And so then it's just like, eh, if accessibility is more difficult at the venue they're playing, I'm less likely to go because then it's like an extra barrier just to check out bands that I don't necessarily listen to a lot. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, when did you start feeling like you could speak up about like accessibility? Were security or are security people tend to be pretty helpful or how do you go about that um well about a year ago i started being connected with more disabled music fans um especially in the area but also um my friend lou from the chicago area um we started writing about accessibility and so that's when i started like being more comfortable speaking about it and then at that point i started talking to security guards more but what sucks is that a lot of them, like, I'll go up to them and ask, you know, where I could be besides being in the crowd. And they don't even understand my question. Like, they don't think, like, they're so not used to dealing with um, helping disabled fans that they um, they just, like, don't even know where to start. And they kind of have to scramble for an answer and then they call over another security guard and then it's like this like whole like awkward group meeting about trying to figure it out and it you have to doesn't make of... you doesn't make you feel any better does it <laughs> no and like at first i'm like okay well if they're getting the head security guard like okay he like that person's got to know something but you know a lot of the time it'll be like well you can be in the front or be in the back <laughs> but like there's really nowhere for you to be and so a lot of the times i'm left powerless with like really bad options that make me feel forced to pick something unsafe or where i'm paying to see a show that i can't even see cuz i need to be in the back to feel comfortable and so it's just like being left powerless is almost worse than not being able to enjoy the show oh <laughs> I, like my heart just broke <laughs> like you you could probably hear it but that <laughs> that sucked to, to like hear how 
how much like you it almost seems like it's a whole ordeal just to go to a gig and go enjoy yourself yeah and like the as far as the shows that i definitely do now that i think about it skip i almost don't even consider going to house shows ever which sucks because that's like a whole nother scene of bands that like often don't play remotely accessible venues because they'd just rather play basements, which is cool. And, like, there's a whole hype around that, but it's, like, it's so difficult to be a part of it because um, it's just, you have, it's, like, going to someone's house where you don't know the person and, like, if I have no one that wants to go with me, then it's, like, a whole anxiety-raising thing to have to deal with stairs and all that and then find somewhere to sit and... It's a lot. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but have you had any good uh, success stories uh, going to gigs yeah. at all? Yeah, recently, actually, um, when I went to see Tiger's Jaw at the Hawthorne Theater. Um, great band, great Hawth- venue. Yes, the Hawthorne, like, they've always been pretty good about accessibility, never really had any problems there. Um, but they're like they have stairs in the front but they have two other entrances one with a ramp through the bar or through the back to get into the main room and before the back used to be really bumpy and there was kind of like a pothole and then there'd like a giant bump to get in the door but the last time I went like they had repaved everything and they got rid of the bump in the door and then I had gotten in after doors because I was waiting for someone and um usually um, the spot that I watch the shows is where there's this angle on the stage, and, um, and so, like, there isn't as many people that can stand behind you, so then it's, like, much safer, and I can see everything just fine, and, um, even though there was already a bunch of people in there, no one was standing there, because they put disabled stickers on the barricade bar, so that way Mm. people knew, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Aww. That's wonderful. And, like, that wasn't even prompted. Like, they just did that because they knew that it mattered. And I was like, yes! Yeah, good people. Like, I played, I used to play gigs at Hawthorne when I was in my college band. And everyone there is just super nice and easy to work with. And, um, oh, man, the amount of times I saw Circus Survive there or (laughs) uh, I saw August Burns Red there, which was just destruction. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We saw a Silverstein there a couple times. Um, oh, one of my favorite gigs that we ever saw. It was a detour on the Taste of Chaos um, one year. Oh. And it was yeah. it was Medina Lake. I know. Uh, so it was Medina Lake, The Bled, and Seoshin. Wow. Uh, with Cove. And... One of the funniest things was you could tell that there were people there specifically for Medina Lake, people there specifically for the Bled, and people there specifically <laughs> for Seoshin. Because when there was a pit like wide open right before the Bled was going on, and there were these girls in their Medina Lake, like big hair, uh, kind of like get up. And the second the bled came out they were <laughs> they they started with uh last american cowboy which if you're unfamiliar it starts with this immediate breakdown that just goes <laughs> brace yourself da-da-da! and it just like everything went 
ape shit in like oh it went God. zero to 70 in no time and everyone just destroyed each other and these oh, like literal God. these two girls were just not they had no idea it was coming <laughs> okay that was me at a show like two years ago there um I went to see Speak Well If You Speak Love. You nice. know, nice, like, acoustic rock, you know, mm-hmm. like, chill vibes. Right after was Expire. <laughs> Mind you, I, like, there were not a lot of people at this show. It was a very open room. But knowing that Expire was going to go on, I moved to the side against the wall towards the back. I could still see, but I, I mean, like, I didn't really mind. I was like, okay, you know, I'm good now. And then as soon as expired, literally the first note, Hmm. like, there were people spin kicking from wall to wall. And, like, yeah, and, like, other people who didn't want anything to do with that, like, ended up, like, flying towards me. And it was a lot. So I just, like, exited. And I was like, you know, I can pass on this. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Gosh. I, oh, man. I remember the days when stuff like that went down um what yeah one last cool thing about ex- experienced at the hawthorne i saw uh fun's first ever tour oh wow for amen ignite where they were opening for manchester orchestra whoa yep <laughs> it wow. was ridiculous uh oh. it was super fun and we got to hang out with Nate Reese for a minute. And now he's like one of the biggest singers in the world. So great. Pretty cool. much. Uh, but yeah, we got to chat with him about the format and all that stuff. Wow. Nerded out a little bit. We're going to take a little bit of a break here because I want to hype something awesome that Cassie does, which is Six Snaps. It is a online music review word spreading organization she has a team of writers who go to gigs who scour the internet to find new and upcoming music for you to listen to you don't have to do any work just go to their site sixsnaps.co and you can get all sorts of interviews with bands you get monthly playlists you can look at all of the new music that comes out every friday that's my favorite thing that they do they compile all of the new albums or a great chunk of the new albums that are going to come out every friday and they give you a one-stop shop for how to actually find that music it's awesome they have great photographers that go to gigs it's amazing they have a lot of great talented people there Check them out, follow them on social media at Six Snaps, and get into new music. That's the coolest thing to do right now. There's a lot of great scenes that are still developing, re-evolving, and reviving themselves. So, once again, go to Six Snaps, sixsnaps.co, S-I-C-K-S-N-A-P-S dot C-O. Now let's get back into this conversation with Cassie where you can hear her talk about where Six Snaps came from. Let's do it. All right, now moving on a little bit, getting into your actual projects. I love talking music, 
but let's get into your projects. A <laughs> uh, little bit of a, a introduction, I suppose, all that was. But you run a wonderful mu- music reviewing website called Six Snaps. Uh, can you tell folks about why you started this online space and what this project looks like for you? Yeah. So I started Six Snaps um, a little bit after discovering local music um, because that's when I realized that I wanted to be like I wanted to work in music. I was like, I want my whole life to be music. And so I didn't know how to go about starting that. And so someone suggested I start writing about music. So now it's kind of evolved into a platform for me and my friends to voice our thoughts on music we love and um we focus a lot on bands from portland and even seattle too um because i remember like when i first started it like the bands that i'd be writing about i'd just be thinking you know why doesn't the whole world know them and so i try mm-hmm. to boost bands that make me feel that way as much as i can <laughs> hmm. that's real like uh that's part of why when i was in college started booking a bunch of gigs too. It was like, I want to get my friends gigs so more people can hear them because they're great. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm really thankful that you have such a Northwest perspective because that's kind of why I went to your site to premiere the first single for my most recent EP um, that folks got to hear on uh, this podcast a couple weeks ago Um because I knew that it had a Northwest connection and I wanted to make sure that Northwest folks were hearing it. So thank you for premiering that for me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was such an honor. I'm pretty sure I think that was our first premiere ever and we were so excited about it. And to have someone that was connected to Oregon made us really happy. Yeah, I remember I, uh, I messaged Cody Porter, uh, who's a wonderful dude. Uh, messaged him and was like, hey, I want you to do this because I think you'll do it right. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. And he was like, oh, oh, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We were very giddy about it for, yeah, the time surrounding that. Yes. Uh, he was the first person outside of the people who made the project with me to hear it. And that was one of the most nerve wracking Nights of my life, waiting for him oh. to send me any sort of thumbs up or, hey, it was okay. I was just, like, <laughs> nervous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. He's and now, the best. Oh, he is. He, he really is. Uh, and I sent him a copy of the album. I was like, here, have this. Um, <laughs> so a couple of months ago, you announced your new project, Half Access, uh, which is uh, truly what I'd love the rest of the podcast to be about. Uh, how did this uh, project come to you? What what was or what is your initial vision for it? So Half Access was originally just going to be kind of like a side blog to Six Snaps almost where I could just write about my experiences with like ableism and inaccessibility at shows. But then... Um, after talking with some of my disabled friends, um, they were saying how they don't always necessarily feel comfortable calling out venues that are inadequate. And so that's when I realized, like, 
this needed to be a resource for more than just me ranting about um, venues that weren't doing good enough for us. And um, that's kind of how it turned into the database idea, which is basically going to become, well, it already is becoming a nationwide um, thing to be able to have um, accommodation information on venues because their websites, like, don't have enough on them. Like, some will say that they're, like, wheelchair-friendly, but it's, like, that doesn't, like, what does that mean, you know? Mm -hmm. It can mean something to different to everyone. Yeah, and, I mean, some sites don't even have any of that information. And I know in Boston, one of the main things that they put on their website is whether or not you can bring a backpack into the website or into the venue, which is just wonderful, but that's not incredibly helpful for ADA stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been cool. Like since I started it getting to connect with people with all sorts of disabilities and like, I mean, a lot of the accommodations we all need can like kind of fall into the same category of just needing a safe space to exist. But it's also like, cool to like know about venues that have connections with sign language interpreters and like yeah and like also hearing about venues that don't do well with service animals and like that's like all such important different things that not all of us disabled folks deal with and so trying to cover as many different accommodations is super important to me I'm not sure I've ever been to a gig with a service animal in all my years. Yeah, I don't think like I think. have either. Huh. No, I don't think I have. Um, I have been to gigs where they had uh, sign language interpreters. That's I've been, awesome. I've yeah. been to a, I actually went, this is a, a random thing, but I, I love John Legend, especially his first two albums. And I went and saw him at, um, what's that? It's where they do a lot of the musicals in Portland. Um, uh, either the Keller. Like... Oh, okay. I yeah. saw him at Keller, which is like the Keller Auditorium, which is high class. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People dress real nice there. Uh, and like I've gone, I saw Rent there. I saw Wicked there. And you dress nice there. Me and my buddy Renee, we showed up in mesh shorts. He was wearing <laughs> he was wearing uh, some band shirt, and I was wearing a Sound of Animals fighting shirt. <laughs> and this was a John Legend gig. There were there was a sign sign language interpreter in the very front, and we were actually seated in an air, and it wasn't sold out. And it was actually kind of funny because the people in the venue were like, oh, hey, do you want to move up because there's space? And we were like, uh, do you want us to move? <laughs> like, we don't look like we belong here. <laughs> yeah. That was the, yeah, I think that was the first gig where I saw a sign language interpreter. I love watching them rock out to Same, the music. Yes. I recently saw a picture from Warped of, I think it was during movements, um, of a sign language interpreter, and I, that just made me so happy. That must be so interesting to be a sign language interpreter for, like, a hardcore, post-hardcore band, like, the screaming <laughs> and stuff. 
<laughs> to no like, kidding. To like, uh, how do you harness all of that anger and energy? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um. So something kick ass happened to you. You alluded to it earlier. You won an APMA, which is Alternative Press Magazine Award, correct? Music Award, but yes. Music <laughs> yes. Award. Uh, it's for Alternative Press Magazine. Uh, yes. I used to have a subscription to them back in the day. Um, so yeah, how did that come about? And can you tell folks about what, what happened surrounding that? Yeah, so um, a couple months ago, I think it was like back in May... I saw Dan Campbell from the Wonder Years, a.k.a. Soupy, um, tweeting about how he was the ambassador for a grant that Subsidy um, was going to be giving away. And so Subsidy is the charitable arm of Hopeless Records. And so they pretty much exist to raise money to give to other nonprofits. And so this was their first year ever doing this. And um, so the whole, like, premise of it was if you were given $10,000 to make the world a better place, what would you do with it? Mm. And so I applied um, for half access. And um, even though – and, like, part of the eligibility was, like, saying, like, you need to be working with a 501c3 and, like – it costs a lot of money to become one. And so, like, I wasn't when I applied, but I was like, you know, um, if you can find someone or, like, if there's some way we can work this out, like, that would be cool. And so, you know, I went into it and, like, I applied and, like, I was thinking, you know, who knows what will happen. And the worst that can happen is they would say no. But then in complete surprise, like, they emailed me and they were like, you're a finalist. And... So then they interviewed me, and um, that was a really cool experience in itself because they had so many ideas and suggestions and feedback for me. And then, um, and then, like a week and a half later, they emailed me again, and they were like, "You're a top two finalist." And I was like, "Okay." And so they wanted to interview me again, and instead, when they um, called me, they were like. So how would you like to be the winner? And I was like, of course I'd love that. And then, um, <laughs> and then I was. So Aww. then they, yes, yeah, so then they flew me to the APMAs in Cleveland, and so that was like my first plane ride. And uh, how was that? It was amazing. Like I keep saying, I want to be a pilot, and I need to like <laughs> probably stop saying that before I accidentally take myself seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so you you enjoyed being on the plane then. Oh, yes, absolutely. It was pretty incredible. Um, I've since I heard um, the album Dear Me by Owl, I've uh, Mm. I've wanted to listen to it on a plane. And so I finally got to do that. And it was life changing. So that was flying was incredible. That's really great. And then, yeah, being at the APMAs was what like such a wild experience like I mean like I've always being that like I want to work in music I assumed I'd go someday but I didn't think my first time would be to receive one you know yeah. and like I didn't know until a couple days before that I'd actually be receiving like a physical Scully trophy um because I was like you know I'm receiving a grant you know I wasn't thinking I'm receiving a physical award and then they casually mentioned it when they were going over what was going to happen and I was like what (laughs) 
So that's, that's so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to yeah. hang out with some folks? Um, kinda. Um, like I, um, I met Alex Gazkars backstage, like as I was getting ready to go on stage. So that was kind of a life moment there. Um, and then um, after, like it was like still during the show, but like. Um, there was food trucks out back and I was starving because all of my anxiety was gone after I was done on stage. And so um, I went out there and I was eating macaroni in a parking lot. And then um, Andrew McMahon came up to me and congratulated me as I was like <laughs> shoveling food in my mouth. So Casual. Was, yeah, that was that was pretty huge. And yeah, so that was it was great. That's super casual, you know, Andrew McMahon, one of the biggest guys in the scene, you know. Pretty much, yeah. He's he's also been through some shit, though, so. <laughs> Has he? Well, I mean, he beat, uh, uh, what was it, lymphoma or leukemia? Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. Um, well, and it was funny, because it's like, I'm obviously familiar with, like, who he is and stuff, but, like, I couldn't see him when he was performing because, like, funny thing, like, during the APMAs, when everyone stood up during performances, it blocked the view of the disabled section, which was, like, kind of felt like the most ironic thing in the world. (laughs) But, um... Did you say anything? (laughs) I did, but there wasn't really anywhere else for me to be because, like, the whole, like, front area was, like, cameras and stuff, and I wasn't trying to get hit with the giant arm for the camera for the stream, you know? So, but it was, like, fine, though, because performances were only, like, a song, and, like, there were screens that I could see between people's heads, so it was, like, fine, because everyone sat during everything else, so it was, like, kind of just a weird every now and then I couldn't see thing, but, um... but so like weird irony. I know, but so then, like, yeah, so while he, while, um, while he was on stage, um, I couldn't see him, and so, because, like, I saw him perform, and then, yeah, and then I was eating macaroni in the parking lot, and then, um, so after he, like, congratulated me and stuff, I asked someone, um, I was with who it was, (laughs) and then I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, man, no, I have way too many memories of rocking out to something corporate back in the day. (laughs) And um, I had no idea how many projects he had. Oh, it's he, he, so many. So many. It's ridiculous. The man, I don't think the man sleeps. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, but you really enjoyed that that experience. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I felt like very in place, which was cool. Because I guess, I mean, like, having been a part of, like, the local scene for so long, I'm, like, I guess I'm just used to being around, um like-minded people and musicians and stuff and people who are um striving and have a lot of goals and stuff and so it was cool to be around that and like I kind of kept forgetting that it was like the bigger scale scene because it's just like being at home you know with local bands except for they're just a lot bigger (laughs) yeah they're all real 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 big bands that we all listen to right (laughs) yeah uh, so did you get to, that was in Cleveland, right? Did you get to explore at all? Um, the most exploring I did was, uh, to like this really weird kind of sketchy, uh, pizza shop when I landed and, um, 
And it was like half under construction. And like, mm. I swear the next day I saw Domino's get delivered there. And I was like, what's happening? And oh. then, uh, yeah. And then it was like thundering and stuff during all of that. Uh. So like my first day there was just kind of like, okay, this is a lot. <laughs> so the next day was like sunny and nice and it didn't thunder. And I was like, yay, not mm. trying to get struck by lightning. <laughs> But I didn't get to see, like, the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or, like, any of that stuff. Um, it was cool getting to see the Great Lakes when we were flying, though. Mm, they're beautiful. All right. So today's musical sponsor is Spartan Records. Now, these folks are out of the Pacific Northwest, which is a great connection with this conversation with Cassie, her being from Oregon. Me being from Oregon, Spartan Records being from Washington. This is a wonderful way to tie everything in together. Uh, Spartan Records was founded by John T. Frazier, who originally uh, came from Tooth and Nail and Solid State Records, where he directed marketing there. Uh, he worked with a lot of bands like Under Oath, Anne Berlin, Me Without You, As Cities Burn, Norma Jean, May. Uh, did I just name all of my favorite bands? I think I kind of did. A lot of those bands influenced me growing up, and he's worked with a lot of them. So you know he's working with great bands here. Uh, he also worked a lot with Drive Through Records, so he worked with The Starting Line, Finch, Newfound Glory, Something Corporate, and he's even worked with Mineral. Uh, he's, he's, he's worked with so many great bands, and now he's working with bands like Square Peg, Round Hole, Shiloh, Our Lives, Knives, uh, Baron Womb, Secret Stuff, and if you can hear him in the background and throughout the recording of this podcast, uh, Young Young Fox. Love that album. Next, you're going to hear a song from American Opera. This is the singer-songwriter John B. He has put out this album called Small Victories. It is a wonderful uh, kind of new age Americana kind of sound that kind of brings in a lot of different styles from like Manchester Orchestra to Ryan Adams, a little bit of brand new in there. He really has put together an album that is cohesive, tells a lot of great stories, and has some really kick-ass artwork with it too. And now you're going to get to hear a song called Monsters Among Men off of his new album, Small Victories, which is on Spartan Records. Let's get to it.
All right, that was Monsters Among Men by American Opera. If you liked what you heard, you can pick up the new album, Small Victories, through Spartan Records at spartanrecords.com. And now let's finish up this conversation with Cassie. What are some of the next steps for HAP Access? Uh, what do you? What are some of your priorities for the future now that you have this grant coming your way? Uh, what are some suggestions that you actually have for venues to make ad, uh, adaptations for accessibility? Um, what does this all look like for you? So now that um, I'm like, yeah, receiving this grant, um, I'm going to half access is going to become a 501c3. And then from there, uh, we're going to redesign the website. And it's going to be kind of like sort of a Yelp type of deal in the sense that There'll be the core information about each venue in the database, but then um, underneath that, um, disabled music fans are going to be able to um, rate how well the venue is living up to the accommodations that they have and um, be able to add additional information in the comments and anything that they know, you know, tips and tricks, because it's kind of never the same when you go to a venue. And um, and then from there, uh, finding the things that are the easiest fixes and starting to, like, educate venues that are willing to um, hear us out and um, start working on changes that would be, like, cost-free and just would happen with understanding and listening and education. Hmm. What are some of the like easier adaptations you see some venues need like being able to make? So, um, ADA areas is like I mean it because some venues that have them they're like a giant platform and all this stuff, but like that's not always necessary, especially in smaller venues that don't have room for that. It's more of like maybe getting a barricade that can like separate off like a small like chunk of space so that way there's room for us to be that isn't in the crowd but like has an unobstructed view or like even just having all of the security guards be on the same page about accessibility and being prepared for that and um what was the other thing I was thinking I don't know but um oh like having like signs even at the entrance of venue saying like ask if you need help with like accessibility would be um a huge way of uh bringing venues and fans to common ground because um it's kind of intimidating to ask for help sometimes because a lot of venues don't know how to help or aren't prepared to yeah i mean and as a fully able-bodied person i don't think about that stuff ever so i imagine it's somewhat similar for some of the security guards or even some of the venue owners. They're like people coming to shows are people that are able to stand up and watch the show. Right. That, that's exactly. everyone, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, even a lot of my friends have been like, yeah, I didn't even think about accessibility until <coughs> I started going to shows with you. Cause like, you know, like someone will be like carrying my wheelchair upstairs for me. Cause there's no other way to get into a venue or my friends will want to stand with me and they'll be like, you can't see it all. Can you? And I'm like, Nope. (laughs) So it's definitely a huge awareness thing. And, um, that's why I think that like 
once um, the database is bulked up a little bit and we start um, working with talking to venues and being like, okay, so here's where you're at now. Here's some things that <clears throat> might, like, even the smallest changes can be, like, completely life-changing for us because there's just not a lot of change happening at all yet. Hmm. Have you had good responses from some venues so far? And do you have some people across the country helping you out already? So we haven't really worked directly with venues yet. Um, So far, it's just based on submissions to uh, the form I created to cover anything from accessible parking and entering and all that. Um, And so, like, we have submissions. Like, I obviously, like, documented, like, most of Portland, but... um, we have submissions from a lot of Chicago venues and then um, a couple from Texas as well and I forget where else. But um, after that, I want to work with like, especially like promoters in different cities because I figure they, they're at venues all the time and mm-hmm. I think it would be good for them to become aware in the process of helping build the database that, you know, seeing where it is that they're booking and discovering what venues in their area are more accessible or not. Cause I know that some people are more apt to like playing um, shows where all people can attend. Whereas others are just like anywhere that will have us, you know? And so it's like <laughs> the, the ones that like care about it would probably like to explore that. So hmm. I'm hoping that they'd be down to help um, collect information for me. Yeah, and I mean, if it's any help, I I will do my best to help you out here in Boston, uh, maybe even Providence, Cambridge, Somerville, uh, the areas where we have a bunch of gigs, if that seems like it could help you out. It definitely would, yeah, if you're just, like, between bands and you're just like, huh, or, like, after doors when there's, like, still an hour, you know? It's like... It's a pretty simple form. Like, I think that, like, if most people, like, just kind of, like, recall attending a venue, like, it's, I mean, like, some of the questions are, like, easy to ask security if, like, for people who are willing to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple when it comes down to it. It's just, you know, having people to do it and then um, also just being aware of the things happening because, I mean, I guess, like, a lot of people, too, just assume that venues have to be accessible, which isn't true, Mm because, like, legislation lets it be legally inaccessible at a lot of spaces, which is frustrating, but... I imagine. Um, And it doesn't seem like it would be any, any level of difficult to just, like take note of things (laughs) for sure yeah exactly i mean like sometimes like if there's like stairs into an entrance you might not know about like a side entrance you know or like an elevator hidden in the back in a corner (laughs) in almost a closet like but um like sometimes those things are hidden away and people will be like wait how do you get upstairs at that venue and i'm like they do they do have an elevator like Mm -hmm. but um other times it's like, yeah, there's actually nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to wrap this up a little bit, we've talked a lot about venue accessibility um, through the through our chat. But where do we go, like in terms of 
mm, developing just more accessible practices in the scene in general and like what types of changes do like people need to make to be more inclusive in those spaces because I I feel like if people aren't being truly inclusive to those of all um, like able-bodiedness or um, then we're not being truly inclusive and that's not punk to me. <laughs> I I agree. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, one of the most frustrating things is like seeing people preach about inclusivity and then like when they list like isms or phobias, you know, they don't even like ableism isn't said a lot. And, um, and like, you know, and people will say this is a safe space or like come to our show to forget about everything happening outside these walls. But like sometimes like it's like hearing that is hard when I'm like sitting in the back at a show and I can't see. Mm-hmm. And so I think just making sure like I mean, I guess practice what you preach. I mean, I know that's like a cliche, you know, and like really oversimplified. But I mean, really just like focusing on like on really making sure that like if you're saying that you want all people at your shows making sure that that's physically possible because it sucks when the only thing standing between you and like what could be the best show of your life is like two flights of stairs (laughs) (laughs) true like And again, something that I think a lot of people in scenes take for granted. I know that the number, I think the number one thing I take for granted is my able-bodiedness. And just anytime I'm out running, uh, there's, it's actually kind of interesting, uh, on the running path that I go on every day around my campus, there's a woman in a wheelchair who kind of just, it's just sitting out and because my campus is on a peninsula, so I'm right next to the water. Um, yeah. She's just sitting and enjoying the water. And every time I run by her, I give her a little wave and she little, she waves back. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm running right now and she can't. And it's I just know. like one of those moments where I just think real hard yeah. about it. I've had um, I've had some of that like uh, when like I'd be doing nothing in like PE classes in high school and stuff. And then people would be like, I don't want to run. And I'm like, running is the best. Like I remember when I was a kid and like, I was like not as much of like a skeletal mess that like, I loved it. And like, even like now I've been like, um, having some improvements and I'm able to do more with like walking and stuff. And it's the most freeing feeling, honestly, or like, even sometimes people, um, like, in middle school and stuff would be like, oh, doesn't, like, isn't it fun to, like, drive your scooter? And I'm like, no. I mean, like, sure, it's, I mean, like, I don't know, it's just my normal, you know. But, yeah, I think it, I think it does get taken for granted because, like, I mean, it just becomes your normal. And, but at the same time, like, um, like, there's a saying that it's, like, building for the disabled is building for everyone because mm-hmm. I mean at some point we'll all be old and like you know and like <laughs> our bodies don't last forever and like anyone can become disabled at any point and even if it's temporary like people like breaking their legs or whatever it's like that's when a lot of people realize how inaccessible the world is oh for sure for sure I I, I feel like the only times I've ever really like notice those sorts of things is is, uh during college at one point I was on crutches and that was when I was like oh shit stairs 
great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is going to be a wonderful treat for me. <laughs> yeah. I will end up uh, when I was at the APMAs um, during my interview for the red carpet live stream. Um, Ash, I think her name was from New Year's Day. Um, she was saying that they just recently did a tour and it was either her or their drummer or something was on crutches. And it was like, yeah, every every stage has stairs. And, um, you know, it's like that's, you know, doing a tour. I can't even imagine on crutches. It's just oh, like. Yeah. Can I give you oh. one last thing that might blow your mind a little bit? Absolutely. You mentioned New Year's Day. Yes. I, my high school band opened for them on their very first <laughs> tour ever. Oh, wow. At the Ike Box in Salem, Oregon. Wow. There A were about, show in Salem? Yep. There were about, there were about 14, 15 people there and they already wow. had their gimmick figured out. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh yeah. It was fun. It was really cool. Uh, <laughs> and now they're huge and i'm like how did this happen yeah no kidding i probably started at salem and now you're here yeah yeah, wow. yeah yeah um i mean we used to have gigs all the time at the ike box in salem but then a bunch of stuff happened and i don't know some good some good memories i don't know a lot of the scene has kind of been slowly dying i think out there a little bit since i probably. left probably <laughs> yeah Oh well. Okay, now let's wrap up with some fun. Let's let's do the lightning round. I like doing these. They're fun. I love things, so You're gonna you get know. to tell me about a lot of your favorite things. <laughs> Maybe Yay. I should just call this favorite things. It's one of my it's one of my favorite incubus songs. So maybe I will. Oh, and there's also Maybe. that you know, like really famous. These are a few of my favorite. I probably shouldn't finish that because of copyright. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, favorite food. Oh, oh wow, wow. Um, oh wow. Was I seriously about to say Taco Bell? I mean, I guess so. <laughs> Taco Bell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how we started. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, favorite color? Mm, blue. Okay. You didn't seem completely sold on that. I don't know. I've, I've never really in my whole life had a strong answer on that. But now I'm like looking around my room and I'm like, yellow is so underappreciated. I'm sorry, yellow. Oh, okay. Um, favorite TV show, current and all time? Um, all time would probably be The Office. Okay. I haven't fin. I haven't watched a lot of TV shows in like full. So, um, but currently I've been very heavily binge watching Parenthood. So oh, cool. Yeah. I dropped off around like the third or fourth season. I can't remember where I stopped, but I enjoyed it. I think makes Dax me sh- wish I had like cool fun sibling like a whole like cool sibling relationship like that that would be cool (laughs) i think that they they handled uh asperger's really well in that show i love i I love it yeah that was like the first time i had ever seen that uh explored 
The same. Very cool. Um, favorite animal? Um, can it be a dinosaur? Just like dinosaurs oh. in general? Yes, of course. So dinosaurs, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the last three are all music related. We got to end on music related stuff. Uh, Deal. Favorite record label? Um, I feel inclined to say hopeless because they like changed my life. But in terms of like roster, Triple Crown through oh. and through. Because you got foxing, sorority noise, tiny moving parts, tiny moving parts, the parts, uh, Caspian, Heart Attack Man. Oh, Heart Attack Man! The new Smiley so record. Yeah, you got a lot of Smidley, good stuff. but yeah. Smidley, yeah. yeah, I never knew how it was pronounced. Um, <laughs> well, sweet. Uh, okay, now favorite band, current and all time. I think the main, like that's what I've been saying, and it feels right. Like if I could only have time? one band, yeah. Like if I could only have like one band's discography, I think it would be there. So interesting. I saw them not too long ago. I think it was the AP tour, and they actually really. Uh, put on a really kick-ass show. I hadn't seen them before. Yeah, they're one of my favorite live bands. They put a lot into it. It was neat. And I still haven't heard their new album from this year, so I need to get on that. Um, it's great. I'm lazy sometimes, uh, even though I listen to way too much music. So I was going to say, Cody said you listen to more than him. <laughs> yeah, and Cody's also pretty out there with it uh but what 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 bands are you listening to currently that are like a little more new fresh or recently discovered um well i have like six albums that i've been listening to like i can't listen to anything else Mm. and so the those are here again by willoway they're also one of my favorite bands of all time um spin by tiger's jaw come out your Come Out You're Hiding by Floor, uh, Lovely Little Lonely, The Main, and I feel like there was probably another. Oh, After Laughter by Paramore, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fun one. Oh, it is definitely my album of the year. <laughs> that was literally my next question. What is your album of the year so so far? Yeah. Yep, After Laughter. I, oh. I don't see anything beating that. I, what I love about that album is it sounds super fun, super fresh, and Aaron Weiss is on it for Me Without You. So, yes. Because Haley is like obsessed with Aaron Weiss, which makes me super happy. Yes, it's incredible. <laughs> which I also have an Aaron Weiss story, but I've already told too many stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been around for way too long. <laughs> And I'm still just like still still experiencing and gathering stories. That's that's I'm, wonderful. I am so young. <laughs> I'm so excited for all the stories you're going to continue to gather in your concert going days. Uh, Me too. And when I come home in the in the winter to play a gig, I'll make sure it's at a venue that is accessible for you to be able to attend. Uh, yes, so I will be there. Watch me rock out with some friends. <laughs> yes. All right, sweet. Well, thank you so much, Cassie, for hanging out with me tonight. I really appreciated it. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. My first ever podcast. Yeah, hopefully first of many. Uh, and I cannot wait to see uh, more stuff that you do uh, with Half Access and with Six Snaps. How can folks stay in touch with you? Do you have social um, media I- and stuff? <laughs> yeah, I'm Wilson X Cassie on Twitter and Instagram. And then I have Half Access and Six Snaps usernames in my bio. So. Sweet. And I'll link them in our show notes so folks can follow along. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Okay. That, that was it. We did it. We survived another, another week, another conversation. How great was Cassie? Her story is awesome. And I'm so proud of the kick-ass work she's doing. It's going to bring a lot of change to a lot of great venues, to the music scene in general, and it's really going to bring a whole new level of inclusivity, I think, to the music scenes uh, across the country. If you want to keep in touch with Cassie, you can follow the many endeavors that she's doing uh, at Six Snaps, which is sixsnaps.co. You can follow all their social media as well. You can also keep up with all the work that Half Access is doing by going to halfaccess.org. You can already see the amount of work that they've been putting into developing their venue database on the website right there. You can contact them and learn how you can help uh, add to the database in your city. I'm going to be doing it here in Boston and Cambridge and in the surrounding area. I'm going to do my best to get as much information out to Cassie and to her folks as possible. Uh, another special thanks to our friends at Spartan Records for being our music label of the week and for giving us some tunes from American Opera. Uh, if you liked what you heard, go to SpartanRecords.com and buy all of the stuff. There's so many great records that they've been putting out lately. They have wildly inventive uh, record variations. They press with the same pressing plant that printed, that pressed my album, uh, Pirates Press, who's a great uh, pressing plant. And so you know you're getting great quality uh, vinyl if you go through them. If you like this, share it with your friends, rate, review it online. Uh, follow us on social media at, at EduPunksPod, E-D-U-P-U-N-X-Pod, or you can find out more through my website, CraigBiteman.com slash EduPunksPod. You can follow me at CraigBiteman, C-R-I-G-B-I-D-I-D-M-A-N. Uh, you'll see just a lot of weird political musings and music stuff. That's basically internet for me. Uh, (laughs) that's it that's all I have this week next week's going to be another great chat with a friend from the Pacific Northwest so look forward to that and now I'm going to leave you with some more tunes from Young Fox uh, Spartan Records uh, uh, band (laughs) Uh, band I planned this very well goodbye